we've been doing this as a competitive festival for three going on four years now and <laughs> 1920 we're all <laughs> you said 1920 yeah 2019 I'm John. And today, we want to recap our 2021 Scared for Your Life Film Festival. It's been a while, we're a little far out from it, but we're really coming up on our uh, opening date where we're accepting submissions once again, and we thought this was a great time to go over some of the things that we love about last year's festival and some of the things that we look for in festivals and films to begin with. It really has been a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sorry to all the filmmakers that we didn't make this, like straight after the festival it got a little bit chaotic but we're here we're gonna talk about it <laughs> yeah we're excited to finally have everyone together to, to talk about it because i feel like the event went off so well um the response that we got from the filmmakers was great also and everyone who came everyone who was in attendance really loved the films that we picked this year and that wouldn't be possible without our filmmakers. So that's one of the main reasons we wanted to make this episode. So I wasn't at the festival last year because there was this thing called the pandemic that stopped me from being able to come home in time. Um, so you guys are going to have to run down how the actual event itself went. It was awesome. It sucks that you weren't there. Your programming, though came in clutch <laughs> i am so yes, happy about that because it, it was kind of like my only thing i could do from here uh was the programming and when i was trying to lay out all the films obviously i wanted there to be like emotional peaks and valleys so if you're gonna be super sad about a film then it had to go into one that you were gonna be happy about or was just gonna be a completely different feel um but the <laughs> The matched and when they come i didn't think anyone was gonna notice what i did there um, okay so for those that didn't get a chance to attend scared for your life this year um we had a film called matched and it uh kind of ends in this sexual parody uh and the two characters hold up a condom and then anna programmed a film that we had by the title of when they come immediately after that so it's just end of matched and jump into a big black title sequence of when they come. And <laughs> I honestly didn't think any of you would. I thought it would be really funny if at least one of you guys noticed. I didn't expect anyone else to notice. Oh, the whole theater noticed. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> but I'm also we... sorry to when they come for uh, for using their their title oh, as listen, a joke. <laughs> it didn't undercut when they come at all because that movie was terrifying yeah. yeah yeah that was one of my favorites of the night the way that it was shot the fact that it's a, a oneer, yeah it was yeah. so it's single impressive. shot no cuts i think that was the thing that really stood out to all of us when we were judging the films and you know selecting our films for this year once you get halfway through and you realize oh man this has just been one continuous shot mm -hmm. i i love that that gets me so giddy 
because it shows it takes so much coordination and so much blocking and so much understanding of that particular type of dance that a one shot calls for especially with the sheer number of like characters and creatures like it's a ghost story and there's a good number of ghosts in this what is it 15 minute film yeah and to coordinate all of that to coordinate their appearances their mannerisms and the main character monologuing nearly the whole time phenomenal it was crazy because like i think you and i watched it together for the first time when we were judging and i remember just a few minutes in you were like huh there hasn't been a cut yet and it was like 10 minutes and it was like (laughs) there still hasn't been a cut yet how are they doing this yeah but it looked beautiful it had so much lore behind it which is one of my favorite things about any of our films is like when people put lore in it especially if it's cultural lore absolutely obsessed with it that that's that's something that we need to see more of yeah and hunter did a great job of sticking that lore in there without getting too exposition heavy it never felt like it stopped the momentum of the film it was given in such a natural way that you're getting the information and you're getting the the cultural lore and it's it's all just helping to keep that kind of kinetic energy as the film's going on and having yeah. a character monologue that while she's walking around the apartment is is part of that. Exactly. And it wasn't like, sometimes you get with like cultural lore films like uh, Midsommar or Hereditary, for example, like they feel the need to then take about 10 minutes out of the film to explain to you what you've just seen and why, because they treat you like you're a little kid watching a film for the first time. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great when filmmakers are like, no they'll either get it or they won't like we're not going to sit down and explain it because it takes away from the moment yeah you never want to feel like you're spoon feeding the audience or or slowing it down for you know the people in the back who might not be paying attention yeah (laughs) (laughs) you want it you want to have trust in your audience and this this film definitely did smashed was also awesome that obviously ended up winning an award from us for direction um because it was just as much as it was really stupid in the best way i love that sort of comedy (laughs) so much it was fantastically lit the whole way through the fact that it was lit with a match the whole way that was just beautifully done so mixing the whole film is lit by match light and it takes the suspense of horror and the build-up of comedy and puts those two rules together seamlessly so you're waiting for this horrific like jump scare kind of deal throughout the whole film and then it ends in the comedic timing of we're not doing a jump scare yeah Yeah. and it does such a good like job of building that suspense to the point where you're like relieved when it ends Mm -hmm. up being funny um yeah yeah it was perfect yeah usually when when you build up like that in a scene that jump scare is is the relief and it's that release attention and the way that this film ends is obviously our two main characters releasing their tension, which is why <laughs> that programming uh, gag worked so well. I We spent about an hour after the festival just talking about the lighting. I, I think we had gone out to get something to eat. And yeah, we were just discussing how brilliant that was because that's I don't know if people realize just how difficult that is when you're trying to expose for the shadows and for a match light as well to have everything evenly lit and and it just worked so perfectly yeah there was no point of that film where you felt like you didn't know what was going on but you also because you could see everything clearly 
but you also felt like the disorientation of the main character trying to find their way around in the darkness yeah so it was yeah yeah, it was great it was perfect for this kind of festival because it plays into the tropes that we know and love yeah and and it just kind of you know it takes you for that turn at the end which is which is what you want you know i i love watching a movie where i can tell where it's going and I think it's telegraphing something pretty clearly. And then it surprises me by, by the end of it. And that, you know, Match did that perfectly. Speaking of movies that <laughs> are stupid in the best way, we have to talk about The Lake Parasite. Of course oh, God. I, do. <laughs> I adore this film. I, I got so excited when we got it as a submission. Um, like... I think I messaged all of you guys and was just like, guys, guys, please watch The Lake Parasite because <laughs> it's just my kind of stupid. It's so trauma-esque. It's... it's we got a monster movie, we got comedy, and mm. it was it was the bit that kept on giving and the audience was in stitches the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you really need stuff like that. Definitely. Definitely. That's a different kind of tension release where you keep thinking that like, oh, this is ridiculous. How can it possibly get any more ridiculous? And then we end this on a face melt that is like fantastic. Yeah. Which is why it won our best death award. Yeah. Best on screen (laughs) death. I love that Joe Riley gave us a little blurb about who he was and where he came from career wise. The fact that he had come from Disney and decided to yeah. leave working with Disney to make his own films speaks volumes about where his passion lies. It's like the and reverse James Gunn. Like working for yes, Troma and then yeah. working for Disney. He's worked for Disney yeah. and now he's going to Troma, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so it was great to see that he had that appreciation for, like you said, like Troma films, where it's, it's, it's ridiculousness to the max. Uh, and that face melt was a prime example of it because we get this constant joke of the lake monster, which is really just a guy in like a <laughs> a blue morph suit and yeah. swim goggles. <laughs> and I think that ridiculousness is what made it so it was just like a a, a nice break between the rest of the festival uh, where you just got to kind of laugh at the ridiculousness of it. But then we got this gnarly head melt and it, it looked like, you know the old school techniques like bubble gum and clay or something that was just being melted and filmed in, in stop motion. It was great. I love our awards. I love that we have an on-screen death award, but I really think one award that we need to bring in this year is a best dark comedy award. We get yeah. some amazing dark comedies every year and it's hard to win in a festival where you don't, we don't have specifically a dark comedy award. It's a lot of, you know, we have on-screen death, we have creature feature, uh, and then the standards of, like, writer, director. We have our blue skeleton, which is another thing that I love, and why it's so important that filmmakers put their accurate budgets in their films. Uh, Our blue skeleton award goes to the filmmakers that do the most with the least. We look at how much money these filmmakers had to bring their vision to life, and, you know, seeing where all that money is allocated and how it's done... Uh, and even as we've kind of learned being an international festival over the year, how far a U.S. dollar goes in different countries, we take all of that into account when we're judging. We want to see, you know, from start to finish how this vision came to be. 
Yeah. We definitely struggled with the fact that not a lot of people disclosed their budgets this year, and so we didn't have many options for the budget award. So that, that that's a really important thing to be able to tell us. It's not a judging thing as in like, oh my god, you only spent that much. It's a, wow, you spent that much. Here's something for it. Yeah. When we can take a look at the film that's been created and then put that up against the budget, you know, that's what we're impressed by. And especially because we have the Blue Skeleton Award, we want to be able to, you know, give you accolades for that, <laughs> for making, for stretching that dollar. Because we can see now... You know, after the after the these couple of years where the budget can be allocated and when it's done right and when it's like you really take a skeleton team, uh, no pun intended. To no, make full most... pun intended. That's why we did this. <laughs> One part pun, two part blue skeleton from House's October belt. <laughs> so I stand corrected. Yes, pun intended. We want to see just exactly what you can do with a skeleton crew and... Like I said, with uh, Joe putting his information, Joe Riley from The Lake Parasite, we want to know who our filmmakers are. It's great to be able to get that blurb in there so that we know who you are, what you've come from, what you've done in the past, you know, your budget and your everyone that's been on your team through the film as well. We want to be able to give everyone credit. And it's it's only in service of you and your film if you give us as much information as possible. That's We'd love to see more of that in this next year. Definitely. Yeah. Give us everything about you. We want to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We do read it. So we've been doing this as a competitive festival for three going on four years now. And having our alumni filmmakers come back to us each year has been amazing. We get to see their progress. We get to see their growth as filmmakers. And, you know, knowing where filmmakers like Joe Riley came from, knowing where filmmakers like John Gray come from. It's been awesome. We got to open with John Gray's Household Demons this year, which won the Long Island International Film Expo Award for Horror. Um, And it's incredible. I mean, John has these incredible directing chops. He writes these great stories. We had the Desecrated in, I think, year one. um, And they just keep getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously... We were also judging life that year when we first saw John's film come through. And when we saw Hostile Demons, I think all of us were like, oh, please come over to Scared for Your Life as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, really glad that we we got that film as well yeah. this year. And John was so gracious when we got to meet him at uh, Scared for Your Life this year as well. It, he was just, you know, so, so kind and, you know, we had nothing but great things to say. But, yeah, it's it's great that he keeps submitting. Uh, I also love seeing the Creamer Brothers submit year after year. It's it's amazing to see how filmmaking can develop. And I love that they've submitted with us for the last three years now. Yeah, yeah it is really fantastic seeing them coming back um, and stronger every year, which is incredible. They took home our blue skeleton for Keep It in the Dark this year. A great suspense thriller. Uh, we got some good lore about the Jersey Devil in there. When in doubt, just go to any of the spooky shit that's happened in your area or in your culture and write about that. Because you can't really fail with lore pieces. Yes, yeah. you can. Yes, you can. Uh, yes, you can. All film- okay, all filmmakers can't. But yes, in general. <laughs> yes, they can. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. I'll remind you. We accepted 15 films this year. 
There's definitely yeah, I do a lot forget of about for the error. ones that that we we don't accept. Yeah, <laughs> which like okay, um, yeah, which we do no, reject some I bad do. films, but we also get some awesome films that make the choice yeah. between what gets in and what doesn't so complicated. Like there this... were a good handful that I remember us going back and forth on this year, being like, "Can we extend our runtime? Can we extend the festival itself?" And yeah. I mean, there hopefully also... with the response from this year. Maybe we do get to expand this year. Maybe, you know, instead of one day, we can make it a weekend. But it's so difficult to know whether or not we're going to get a weekend's worth of acceptances. Yeah, I think the struggle was the worst this past year. I mean, we had some serious discussions of, well, if we want this, we have to cut these. And if you want to keep this film, we have to cut two films. And... I remember getting really emotional about cutting at least one of the ones that we really, really enjoyed this year because we would have had to sacrifice two other films that we really loved just to fit another one in. Um, Our own runtime is our own worst enemy for this right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say, like, that's not to deter anyone from sending films that are half an hour or close to that. Like, we still love that. They still get in. We're not... We don't just go, oh, okay, these ones fit with our runtime, we're going to accept them. Everything that we do in our choices of judging is about quality. It's yeah. not about who we know. It's not about how local you are. It's not about any of those factors at all. It is a fact of, is this quality piece that we would be proud to display in our film festival? Yeah, I mean, even if it comes down to like we did this year, we were back and forth negotiating with the venue to see how much time we could get so that we could fit as many films as possible. And the more that we were coming across films that we wanted, the more we talked to them about, you know, can we extend this hour? Can we move this? Can we cut this? So it really is a process from, you know, judging and uh, locking the venue and uh, setting up the festival itself. Like all of that comes into play at the same time. There's no process of we're going to do this, this, and then this. We need to be doing all of them at once to make sure that our filmmakers that come to the festival and our audience that comes to the festival gets the absolute most out of their experience with it. We want it to be a Halloween party. Yeah. Exactly. And like like I was saying, like it really doesn't matter like if we know you, if you're local. I'm saying that because we've had some people in the past message us being like, well, we're from Long Island. We can be there. And it's like, yes, but we're not rejecting you. We're not going to accept a film just because you're from Long Island. Um, it's it's because we like the film and we really want this film to be showcased. Yeah. And I know there are like festivals throughout the country that have issues with saying, well, we want numbers rather than quality when it comes to the actual event. Whereas we accept, we're an international film festival. We accept from everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're not there that doesn't come into decision making at all it's great if you can send someone to represent your film obviously because it's amazing to be able to see people picking up those trophies and yeah i don't want to have to keep mailing them <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't mind it at all but like man with the pandemic postage fees have gotten insane and i hate that A lot of the times that postage fee falls on our filmmakers. I'm happy to pick it up wherever I can. And I've done that the last couple of years. But um, some of our international trophies, the shipping came to like $100 in shipping alone. Yeah, it's been tough. The pandemic really did. 
Uh, I, I feel like it even affected how many films we got in this year. You know, obviously with everyone trying to stick with their within COVID guidelines while they're making their films, it's a really difficult thing to to deal with. And yet, you know, we got to hear from some of the filmmakers at the event how they went at, went about making sure that everyone was safe and still getting to create. You know, it's it's amazing what they were able to overcome to to still get these films out there. Yeah, to be honest, I was kind of half expecting like, oh god, here we go, we're gonna have a million submissions that are just about quarantine or about the virus, which we do not want to see. <laughs> it's still again this year, still too soon, guys. We lived through it. It's not that it's too soon. We don't soon, need it that... to be. No, it's too soon. Maybe in twenty years you can make something about this era for the younger people, but just don't. We've just lived through it. Like, we don't need that. It's not horror anymore. It's real life. And reality just... can be horror, and Jaws can be Reality a can be horror. Okay, yes. Real- <laughs> real- <laughs> That's a whole different episode. We've yeah. done that. Um, <laughs> uh, reality can be horror. Tra- trauma can't be horror. Um, so I suppose that is the difference. But yeah. I thought that we were going to get just a whole load of films about the pandemic and that all of them were going to be shot on people's phones and just be like them talking to the camera. But it was incredible to see what people were doing safely and it just shows how much more imagination they had to put into what they were doing and how much more creativity they put into things with this new set of rules of keeping people apart and still interacting in such an amazing way i mean not to harp on our blue skeleton award again but (laughs) that's why that information is so important because if you're in there like you've got to go in with a small cast small crew during covid guidelines and i love seeing what people have done a lot of these films this year were two to four actors and it they were fantastic the stories that came out of them the performances that came out of them the scream queen and king of ghouls award were so difficult this year because we got some incredible performances yeah absolutely yeah across the board those incredible incredible performances so as much as it pushed people to their to their limits to you know kind of step up if you want to be making a film in these times it really shows I mean, just to show how much everything goes hand in hand with one another, we had uh, the, the films Final Girl and Are You Lonesome Tonight, which are both slashers that took the tropes of the slasher and flipped them on its ass. So from writing to directing and performances, it was so hard to choose between those, like what awards we can give them. We give out 10 awards and we accepted 15 films this year just to give you an idea of how difficult it is to make that selection process um, between, you know, the 15 amazing films that we did accept and between accepting those 15 films based on our criteria um, for all the ones that we got submitted to us. The lead, Eric Roddenheiser, from uh, the lead antagonist from Final Girl uh, received our King of Ghouls Award and the lead technically if you want to call her an antagonist, antagonist as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lauren Kennedy from Are You Lonesome Tonight both took those awards because there was something sinister and dynamic about the range of their performance because both of them come off not how you expect them and the end result is not 
what you're expecting either. I don't want to give too much away because these films are still on their circuit. And if you get a chance to see them, by all means do. I know that Are You Lonesome Tonight just screened at a couple festivals uh, in the last month. I love seeing where these films are going. I love seeing where our filmmakers are getting more recognition, more distribution. Yeah, we've had some real successes come out of last year in particular. So the Karening, which is another one of uh, our amazing comedy films that we showed from um, Beck Fordyce, has just been disputed on Amazon. So you can check that out, the Karening. Um, it's a small handful of, of minutes. Go for it. Yeah, it's just a few minutes and it's really funny. And it's one of the only like kind of pandemic-induced films that um really hit the nail on the head because it wasn't really about the pandemic it's just a result of what we have noticed in people from the pandemic and obviously you can tell from the title that it's obviously about karens (laughs) and yeah that's definitely worth checking out another film that just got distribution uh that was a film that we showed this year was harmony which is now coming to Tubi, and that's yeah. that's great. Yeah, you know we've gotten to see the so Gradens uh, submit films as well, and it's just it's it's great to see our directors getting that recognition, you know, and, well, and to know that the the quality of their films is being recognized not just by us. It's just kind of like we get to see that happen for them, and it's like oh, you know, we we feel like we have a little part in that. Yeah, I mean, we've been like part of their journey yeah. almost. <laughs> It's not to do with us, but... <laughs> not to make it about us. Part, we've been part of the journey. <laughs> Even just to to Tubi's credit, uh, I know there's not a ton of people on Tubi. I don't hear people talking about Tubi the way that they do about Shudder and Netflix. But Tubi's a, a free streaming platform, and they just started something called No Budget Theater, and that was you know how Harmony got selected. They started doing... These things were, again, your budget, your cast, your crew, how much you're working with comes into play. Harmony is a great half an hour film that, you know, they made it for what they were able to make it for. And now it's got this distribution because of how they were able to pull it off. So people are looking. People notice these things. Definitely. And even The Darkness Has Arms is now going to be on YouTube for a short while as well. If you have that chance to see even the darkness has arms please take it and please have a box of tissues ready because (laughs) my god that was my first thought with programming uh was how am i going to stop people from crying and get off the emotional roller coaster after even the darkness has arms (laughs) um it's just such a special and beautiful film and it's it's just I just love that film so much. It's just so special. So please watch that film if you can. The director, Jake Graydon, um, I think on his Instagram, there will be a link in his bio to the YouTube link. So please check it out as soon as this episode comes out. Or if it hasn't come out yet, then just keep <laughs> refreshing and every day until you can watch it. Or keep an eye out for where else you can watch it. I'm so sure that this film is going places. This yeah, film, and we will hear more from from Jake Graydon as well. I'm sure of it. This this film is the first thing that made me feel anything through this <laughs> pandemic. Because man, <laughs> I I was not prepared for. Yeah, it, it goes back to that simplicity of something being well written, well acted, just well shot. You know that we are watching something 
a story being told using puppets as well is so great. It takes you back to this. When you watch the film, you'll get it. But it takes you back to this kind of childhood wonder as you're watching it. And that's maybe the key to how heartbreaking it is. <laughs> yeah. But it, it really is just such a beautiful story. And yeah, the, the, the puppet work in it really does lend to it as well. I, I, I love that. I have shown that film to anyone and everyone that I was able to. <laughs> and I was like, please come to the festival. You have to see this. <laughs> I don't think there was a dry eye in the house. Puppets are a surefire way to win Puppet a vote bump. for me. Puppet right. bump. If that's a surefire to win a vote for you, just know that as a puppeteer, I will be scrutinizing everything about your yeah. puppetry. So pick, pick your battles. Do you want the Anna win or do you want the me win? Do it and do it well. Well, it's the same as stop motion as well. You put a stop motion film in there, I will be judging it very, very finally uh but luckily the only stop motions i say luckily we we haven't had many stop motions but when we do then we've had them perfectly done yeah I very much absolutely appreciate that. would the sandwich in which count as a puppet <laughs> because yes. we can't we can't yes. leave the discussion of puppets or horror comedies which we were on briefly before without we discussing can't not which discuss which in general that film got me and that's why i sandwiched it straight after even the doctor says <laughs> arms because i was like <laughs> I, I was like we need people to have a lift instantly and this is the best way to do it because oh, yeah. you can't be sad and watch that film yeah it's, it's just shot so much it looks yeah. beautiful it's it's just, yeah. just there's quality put into it and there's just a ton of little visual gags within it as well you know you catch the uh the words being spelled out on the fridge in the magnets, something that might slip past you if you're not paying attention. But I love that. <laughs> I love the art of visual storytelling and keeping that like with when they come just kinetic storytelling in the camera work, in the blocking, just in the action itself. And it had almost like an evil dead type feel to it, which yeah. was great. You know, I love seeing it was like a, a sandwich. Dead dead. sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and 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 the roar that that film got by the end of it was just to attest to the writing (laughs) it it was it was so well done it was a pleasure having that film in there yeah oh my god it won our creature feature award deservedly so yeah because like i've seen people do the sandwich hand puppet time and again it's like one of the first tutorials that we teach kids at uh, any puppetry building course but this, they went the extra mile and it's got, you know, the, uh, I'm pretty sure either latex rubber or thermoplast teeth. You know, th- what I want to see is filmmakers that care. And my God, do the filmmakers that we get care? Yeah, definitely. One thing we also have to give credit to, you can't have a great festival without a great host. And mm. <laughs> in years prior, we have kind of been running around trying to multitask and this year we had the pleasure of having Jesso Lantern host for us. She was wonderful. Not only did she have musical performances between the blocks, she introed everyone. She got to lead our Q and A. Uh, you know, it, it was. She even did the awards. She was awesome. She was so great. Absolutely killed it with her song selections. Made it fun and engaging for everyone throughout. Just 
picking up that energy, you know, making sure everybody was having a good time throughout. I, I've seen Jess in concert before, and she's got this amazing personality and way of getting people on their feet and dancing and moving. And we may not have had the space for that uh, at the festival because we had a packed house, which is great. Yeah. Um, but man, you could tell that everybody was into it. I'm so mad that I wasn't there for that. <laughs> I love Jess. Obviously, I got to meet her during our meetings, but it would have been amazing to be there to meet her in person and all the filmmakers. I will be there next year. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was great that she was able to get that energy up. You know, sometimes you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to be sitting here for, you know, 90 minutes watching a block of films. And like you want that experience to be enjoyable from the films to how they're introduced to the host taking you through. You want everything to kind of just be cohesive and be tied up in this nice little bow. And and yeah, Jess was instrumental in that as well. Puns, puns. <laughs> um, having her through intermission, I think, you know, intermission, you're always bound to lose a couple people. You know, some people come and they stay for their film. Some people stay for their friends' films. Some people don't want to stay there till two o'clock in the morning. We're a horror block. We'd go late. <laughs> But having Jess's performance really kept people at the venue, kept people coming and going to the bar, kept people, you know, coming back for more. There was never a dull moment through the night. There was never a lull. We're like, I think we do a pretty solid job presenting the last couple of years, but we we don't have that kind of energy. John, you and Doze and Kevin and the Spooky Boys as a whole (laughs) did a great job for our intermission year one. Um, We had a song from Rebel Flesh in our year two virtual uh but this was on a whole nother level yeah we got super lucky having jess as our host for last year uh, we also got really lucky with our sponsors we had haunt society um who couldn't make it in person but they sent a whole bunch of stuff over to us um and helped us promote the event we also had our vendors there we had becky makes bad art and we had uh, Mountain Peak Candles. Yeah, it was great having that on and getting them to kind of have a platform to promote their um, their art and their, you know, their wares as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you know, can't push Becky's horror art enough. I think it's awesome uh, from the apparel to the um, just straight up paintings. You could buy original paintings. I have her Sam painting hanging up right by my desk here. So good. <laughs> And Mountain Peak Candle Co. does a great job just sort of coming up with these fantastic blends for candles. Having vendors there was another great thing, keeping people in the venue, keeping people at the space. There was always something to do. We also had uh, my brother Vin, V-Labs 3D Hubs. Uh, he's came there with a couple of his smaller prints uh, selling pins and keychains. Um but he also 3D prints Anna's model for the Creature from the Black Lagoon trophy. So it was cool to have him there to see people responding to the print job um, and the trophy itself. People love that trophy design, too. I'm so glad people love that trophy. <laughs> I put it up on uh, our Instagram like a vote because I said I was going to make a new trophy for this year. Um, and when I said that to a few people, people were like, no, 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 I still haven't got one. And so I was like, okay, I have to put this to a public vote because I've said that I'm going to make another one. And when I put it to public vote, it was unanimous. No one wants me to make a new trophy. <laughs> there, 
they still like my creature hand, which I'm very happy about. Which is amazing to me, because I it was literally made out of necessity the first year, because we did not have a trophy, and I was like, okay, I will whip something up. And Vin took a whole bunch of pictures of it, scanned it into his computer, and started 3D printing them for us. Um, and I was like, okay, we'll find a better option next year. And then people really responded to them, and so that's why we've kept them. Um, yeah. That's and the I'm thing. I'm really happy about that. Filmmakers who are, you know, true blue filmmakers in it for the long haul loving the festival circuit loving the festival scene the trophies are collector's items and a good and unique trophy goes a long way all these filmmakers are proud to display their trophies it's why people spend near a hundred dollars on shipping to have their trophy shipped internationally during a pandemic it's a collector's piece it says a lot about their film i mean we're a small festival in comparison to all the other festivals that are out there but having a cool trophy is a part of why people submit they say i want to win this creature from the black lagoon hand i want to be able to display that you know having our scared for your life laurels having them change every year has been another reason you know we have the the printed documentation uh it's the thing that goes on their posters it's the thing that goes on uh their trailers they, they collect these things it's a it's a it's a badge of honor yeah really a badge of honor to have that on there and we also have to give credit to uh, my buddy Chris, who helped us out with our laurels this year. Everything. Um, Chris did yeah. all the graphics this year. Chris, yeah, all the graphics, he including like our new logo and everything. Yeah. And he was so tolerant of us going backwards and forwards on decisions. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> but um, He no, was he happy that at least job. we had some clear direction for him. Like, okay, we like this one, but make it a black background this time or make it a white background and change the color of the shadow. <laughs> it's easy to have clear direction when every time we spoke to Chris, he came to us with options. Yes, that's yeah. another thing, too. So thank you, Chris. That's a, it's, Hell yeah. You thank knocked you. it out of the park, thank buddy. You. And yeah, it's 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 great. Even the response that we got from that, too. The initial poster that we put out with all of the film's posters on there. It looked like something out of the Haunted Mansion. In fact, when the Muppet Haunted Mansion came out, Chris and I joked that they stole his design for their poster. (laughs) (laughs) All these elements tie in together to make a festival that's memorable, to make a festival that's a joy for our filmmakers to be a part of. And again, we wouldn't have a festival without these filmmakers. So from the bottom of our hearts, just thank you, thank you, thank you for being as creative as you are for wanting to scare us for wanting to make us laugh for wanting to make us cry and submitting your films year and year again you know we hope that we have many many more submissions this year and that you guys make it difficult for us to pick what's going to be going into the festival because that's it's the it's the coolest problem to have to say oh god we've got you know 20 25 amazing films how are we going to whittle this down to our two-hour runtime it's the best problem to have in the world And it takes a lot to put your film in that public light where you know that people are going to judge it. People are going to critique it. It might not get in. And I mean, I know that it's the thrill of the hunt for a lot of filmmakers, but like I've done it. I don't love putting myself in that position, but it's part of the process. And it's so worth it when you get that acceptances or when a festival, you know, tells you that you're nominated or you're honored or you actually come out of there with a trophy. It's exciting. It's it's why 
we do this in the first place is why we make films yeah and just because you don't your film doesn't get in one year doesn't mean that another thing that you make isn't going to get in the next year or resubmit it can be literally down to rejection because of timing and because we haven't got so it's always worth trying again like it's it's a hard decision trying to whittle down these films as we've explained so don't let it deter you if you don't get accepted into a festival just keep going because it it can can be a matter of planning and coordinating rather than not liking your film and just because Um, it's not a fit for one festival doesn't mean it's not a perfect fit for another i had a screenplay that got fully rejected in the first round of one and (laughs) you know came out with accolades in the next yeah it's all part of that you have to leave yourself vulnerable to say here's my art i hope you enjoy it and you know yeah if, if you miss on one just keep trying keep shooting for it keep submitting also i will say with our festival once you are in our festival family even if it's just one year we are your like biggest hype people forever (laughs) after that i don't know if you've noticed but like it's all we talk about on all of our separate instagrams on the sketchy life instagram on the hauntsville instagram on the moonlight madness instagram like if we showed your film like three years ago we haven't forgotten about you you're doing something new that's awesome we're gonna promote the hell out of it yeah. Uh, once you're in the family, you kind of stuck with us as your constant cheerleaders. We're watching, <laughs> one we're of following. Us. One of us. <laughs> we want to see where your journey goes. We want to see how all of this progresses. Uh, we want to see that you're still out there making films. You know, some people, it's a it's a fun one-time gimmick. And we've gotten some that have gotten into the festival on a whim. First-time filmmaker, just doing it for fun, just doing it because they had time, had resources. And um, you can get an award for being a first-time filmmaker as well. Yeah. But even, you know, watching people go through the festival circuit, we had Manny and Lindsay Serrano our first year, who are part of Collection Resurrection podcast and Massgrave Pictures. Uh, They submitted Matroshka and Misunderstood Monster, and both of those ran the circuit for a while. And now they're up for a bunch of awards for their feature-length anthology, Channel X. I mean, watching that journey has been awesome, too. Watching where everybody's going. I will champion the Gradens till the end of time. Oh, 100%. Yeah, having Having a filmmaker family is awesome. Seeing how they all push each other. Even The Darkness Has Arms was Jake's first film. And I think Josh's first performance was in Even the Darkness Has Arms. Definitely one of the starring roles in Harmony. We first met the Graydon family in our first year of taking over Scared for Your Life. And we had Rob Graydon's submission of Father, which was only a minute long, but it was fantastic. The amount of prop um, work that they put into that and the oh, amount of special effects. It was a minute of pure love. Yeah. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure seeing. And in that first year, which is the last one that I was there in person to be around for. Meeting the Graydon family, who are just such lovely people. Seeing this year where father and two sons submitting these films was incredible to see. We, we, love, we love horror families. Horror families <laughs> are amazing. And puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of want to double back on our sponsor for a minute because Haunt Society is awesome. Haunt Society is living the dream. Haunt Society comes from Houses October Built. Uh, they have taken all that information from doing the Houses October Built documentary and doing the Houses October Built movies, uh, visiting all these haunts, and created the Haunt Society, which catalogs 
all of the haunts that they've visited throughout the U.S. You can submit others that they'll come and check out. Their slogan is Fear Me Near Me, so you can see what's going on near you. They've got some awesome apparel as well. One of the films that we got this year, Scaring Sherry, took place at Haunt Overload, which is like one of the coolest haunts that I've never seen. I'm dying to go there, but they go all out. They've got this like massive wooden skull as one of the big entryways. I think everyone's seen pictures of it on Instagram, whether they know it's Haunted Overload or not. Yeah. They just have the most iconic imagery in that haunt. I don't do haunts, but I want to go there for pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting to see everyone's pictures of Haunt Overload this season and then realizing like, wait a minute, I know that place. <laughs> <laughs> It was just so cool having this film come in and having that same realization and being like, oh, wow, like we have a slasher film that takes place at one of the biggest haunts in a festival sponsored by the Haunt Society. Yeah, it all couldn't have lined up more perfectly. I will say this, though, Uh, the mask slasher thing is awesome, but obviously we have a creature award for a reason. We love our creatures. Um, There's a weird trend that we get every year where there's something in the ether, and I don't know how it happens, but very similar monsters start to show up at the same time, and we start to get a lot of films with similar monsters. This last year, 2021, was uh, Antler Creatures, and we saw that in Even the Darkness Has Arms, and another one of the films that we accepted, The Wraith. Wraith was another awesome one. That one was tough because the creature was really cool. The performances were killer. It just, it was very beautifully done. Uh, it's a monster movie. It's more psychological than it is creature feature, and it ties in a really cool amount of folklore. Some of the best films that we have are ones where you mention the name, and I have a still image um, in my mind that I would make into a print, basically. That's what I'm looking for in terms of cinematography and lighting, is something that I can go, aha, uh-huh, that one, that's a print on my wall in my head. And yeah, just seeing that monster and like the silhouette and the lighting was absolutely incredible in that one. I mean, even Surprise, which was filmed in black and white, it was a film that was born out of quarantine. It's the protagonist and a dog, but they do it as almost a period piece by removing that element of color and focusing more on lighting and shadow and costume and prop design. Surprise was able to come through with something really surprising. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was original. You d- you don't see stuff like that anymore, and it's it was simultaneously amazing. original and an adaptation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is Dogula. <laughs> original in terms of using the black and white and using the period and things like that. We don't see a lot of that now. Yeah, I I feel like that film was also a testament to how when someone thinks period piece, you're thinking you've got to build all of these crazy sets and have elaborate props and insane costuming. This was done so simply. Exactly. Like the way that the film was presented is what gave you that feeling of a period piece. We had costumes that gave the impression of a particular time and Simply by taking away anything like a cell phone or a TV in the background, it made it feel like a period piece. You know, you don't necessarily have to go all out and shoot it at a castle on Long Island (laughs) for it to feel (laughs) period appropriate. And you don't have to spend, you know, millions of dollars on fabric to make this crazy costume. It, It can be done simply as long as it's 
done the right way and you, and you know what elements are going to get that message across. It's about the idea and the execution and yes. everything that gets into our festival is they've taken their idea and executed it in a way that is impressive. It's something that's, you know, we feel worthwhile to sit down and watch and we enjoyed watching. You take something like Imaginary, which we've seen the story of creepy kid with imaginary friend it's been done time and again it's not one of the most original stories we've gotten but the execution of it is what kept it original is what kept it fresh and what kept it engaging there was this mixed media between um a a nanny cam and just standard uh cinematography with some beautiful tonal lighting um and you know just how it was revealed what was happening in the story and the end result um and even going down to the fact that they put a really interesting practical practical effect of the hand coming through the computer screen it showed that they cared in presenting this imaginary tale as something new i was so happy to see that was practical yeah yeah giving us giving us a practical effect and then using cgi or using uh, um computer effects there to just aid in the practical gag itself instead of just saying oh we'll just do this all as you know a digital rendering which you know it could it could have been easier it could have saved some time but no like they went in they did it practically and then they used the graphics to aid that i don't think it ever doesn't pay off to do practical effects personally there are some instances where practical is bad. If you if you half-assed <laughs> it, we've but seen bad makeup jobs. We've seen we it. have seen bad makeup jobs, but <laughs> I've seen more bad CGI than I have bad practical and makeup. Effects. Yes, and also I appreciate the effort more. I'm I'm aware that CGI is effort and it's skilled and, but it's I don't know. In in my head, it's tradition. Like you you do your practical effects and you get your horror badge. So puppets, practical effects. <laughs> <laughs> These are all things I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm as long as you show me that you care about the product that you put out there, and the story is engaging, and your characters are coming through strong. I'm here for it. I want to see where that ride takes you. It doesn't have to be the most original story. Like Anna had mentioned, taking a folktale and making it your own. Like we had mentioned with Final Girl and Are You Lonesome Tonight and Scaring Sherry. They're slashers. We've seen the slasher done to death, but they all add something new. They all make it their own. They all showed that love and attention to detail that separated them from all the slashers we've seen before. Yeah, as long as you... It, it's obvious that you care about what you're putting into this film, then that's all that really matters. If we can see that you put like your love and time and effort into it, then we end up falling in love with it as well. So what are you guys looking forward to most about this year's festival? We open April 1st, so submissions are going to be open real soon, and our judging criteria is going to adjust like i I had mentioned you know we'll all talk about about i would love to add a dark comedy section to this year so that's one of my hopes for this year i want to be able to honor the dark comedies that have come our way i want to encourage filmmakers to submit dark comedies because we are a festival that supports it definitely i mean i would love a, a big mix like we always have of 
dark comedies, of serious, of psychological, of creatures. I love my creatures. One thing I will say is I don't really want, well, I'm, I'm never going to want trauma um, included in films. If you have sexual assault, if you have animals being unnecessarily killed, anything like that, please do not even bother. So no sexual assault or unnecessarily killing animals just for shock value, please. I mean, thank God there's laws on that last one. <laughs> no, I mean, like, even, even with just... practical effects. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. if you're actually killing an animal, then I will report <laughs> you and you will go to jail. <laughs> but if, you, you know, if it adds nothing to the story, don't put it in there. And if it's not, you know, if it's going to completely trigger someone sitting at our festival, don't put it in there. <laughs> Is it basic to say, I just want to see some really, like, gnarly practical kills <laughs> oh yeah no, it's it would, why we it's have one of my favorite <laughs> yeah i i definitely exactly. want to have yeah give us some really face melts time with that. give us some broomsticks through the through the face <laughs> give us a frisbee exploding someone's head just anything that you can give us please i i love that stuff because it's like it brings out the creativity and it's always good for good for a laugh you know that might sound depraved, but <laughs> it's I just, just it's I like another... to see how creative we can get. Yeah, it's an advent of creativity. It's mm -hmm. interesting to see where people go. The people who come to the festival are largely and mostly fans of the genre. So they've seen the the terrible kills of the 80s and laughed at all those and how, you know, some practicals don't age well or some choices <laughs> are just so bizarre. 80s practicals are some of the best practicals. I will literally make <laughs> a list for not? you of bad 80s practicals. I will literally make a list for you of You mean like a basketball ones. to the face? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just, you know, one of the best practical effects movies was in the 70s. Can we just, it still holds up beautifully. Yeah, obviously practicals hold up really well, but, you know, there's some that don't. So I'm saying fans of the genre who come to this festival, they're here for the inventive kills. They're here to kind of relive a little bit of that nostalgia. Ultimately, we treat our festival like a Halloween party and we want people to come and have a good time. And in costume, if you want. Yeah, we had a costume <laughs> contest this year. Oh, my God, I forgot. Zombie Willy Wonka won. <laughs> Zombie Wonka. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's, it's just it's, we would love it for it to be Halloween all year long. And... That's why we have a horror festival. <laughs> so if you're going to attend, come in costume. We promise you, you won't be the only one there dressed up. More than anything, we want more submissions this year. We want more people coming to check out these amazing submissions. We want more people celebrating this, uh, you know, triumph of these emerging filmmakers. We want people to come and celebrate and hang out and have a good time with us. The more people that show up, the more it encourages us to work with bigger venues. The more people that submit, the more it encourages us to open up for a longer, you know, full weekend worth of screenings. We can make this a big event. We can make this almost a convention. Have more entertainers. Have more vendors. Have more of an experience. Be there all day with us. Have more of a costume contest. Yeah, and we just want to add more people to our cult. I mean, uh family a <laughs> festival family we we love everyone who is involved in our festival and we want to hype you up and we want to 
shout about your film everywhere. You know how everyone got so excited about the When We Were Young tour? That's how excited we get when we see these films being submitted. So get us excited. (laughs) (laughs) All in all. Thank you to everybody who's submitted. Thank you to everybody who's allowed us to to view their films, those who have allowed us to screen their films, those who have made this decision so difficult every year, you know, narrowing down which shows, which films we get to showcase and which films, you know, maybe next year, maybe uh, same filmmaker, different year. It's been an awesome experience for us judging Scared for Your Life and coordinating Scared for Your Life and bringing this event to life. And we're happy we get to share it with everybody. So April 1st, we open for submissions again. Tell your friends, make a film, send it our way. We'd love to see it. You know, even if it's your first crack at it, again, we have a first time filmmakers award. We want to see what your ingenuity brings out there. And if you want to vend or you want to sponsor or anything like that, just just send us a message and we will sort things out. Yeah, slide into our DMs. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we're literally just trying to create a whole little family for this festival. So submit your films, reach out to us about sponsorship opportunities. Just just come join. Come join the fun. So do you guys want your fear of the day? Give it to me. Sure. All right. Your fear of the day is nostophobia. Fear of bad practical effects. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, no, that wasn't a serious guess. Um, could it be the fear of <laughs> the fear of the Fast and the Furious franchise? Don't they use Nos in that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they do. It is not. <laughs> is it the fear of the past? It is. It's the fear of yes! nostalgia, the fear of returning home. Uh, it's the fear of dwelling on the past too much. Which, yeah. you know, we spent all this time reminiscing over these wonderful films. We get to relive that moment. But we're moving forward. We've got a new year of new films to look forward to. So we're not going to get too hung up on nostalgia. We're going to celebrate these filmmakers. And we're going to celebrate what they bring us next. I love that. I was wondering how that was going to tie into this. <laughs> I sure tried. Can't make any well promises. Done. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I got one. <laughs> It's only because it's only because I thought of the word of nostalgia and I was like, okay, <laughs> makes sense. I always worry about leading with with phobias that have like the thing in front of it, but I'm glad it took y'all a couple guesses. You guys got any recommendations? Sure do. John, you want to start us off? Yeah. Yeah, I'll start us off. So my recommendation is the movie Sensor. Sensor uh, is a really really cool kind of trippy almost art film i know especially anna is a huge fan of the movie mandy and (laughs) lies and slander um no it reminded me of mandy in the lighting and these almost giallo-esque pops of color that you get it's a very interesting film. It follows a woman who's on the censorship board during the whole Video Nasties drama. And suddenly she's reviewing a film for the censor board and starts realizing that something about this film kind of ties into life events. Uh, you know, things that she's been through and traumas that she's been through. And she's almost convinced that someone is trying to send her a message through these films. And it's a trip just down her psyche and her mental state. 
by the end of the movie, you're left with this really, really chilling feeling. I love it. I believe it is on Hulu and Amazon Prime. It's a really fun watch. I think it's only about 90 minutes long, so a sexy 90 minutes. Love that. Um, and it's just, it's visually stunning. And it's one of those movies that begs to be watched a second time once you're done with it because it just kind of turns everything uh, on its head. Really, really fun film. Check it out. It's called Censor. I've definitely heard a lot about that. I thought we had watched it just because I've heard the name so many times. Nothing about it sounds familiar. I I think <laughs> I think it's a British film, isn't it? Yes. Right. Okay. That's why I've heard about it quite a lot because I think the horror community here which is very, very tiny. You guys get one movie a year. <laughs> we do. And that's why our little tiny UK horror community <laughs> then goes and hypes all these things up, but I have let the side down and not actually watched it yet. Um, so I will check that out. That sounds good. I don't like the referencing to Mandy. That worries me a little. But as long as it's a completely different story and they actually gave a fuck when they were making it, I will be happy. <laughs> Speaking of British films, my recommendation is also a British film. Um, it's called Crooked House, not to be uh, mistaken for Agatha Christie's Crooked House from Was 2000. literally going to be my next question. No, not that one. Uh, <laughs> is this where the crooked man lives? No. It's tied in to the Conjuring universe in any way. Not to do a crooked man, not to do a crooked man. house. But it's called Crooked House. Nothing to do with the Agatha Christie. I love Agatha Christie, but it's got nothing to do with that. It's it's a British film, and it was originally a uh, three-part limited series um, on BBC um, in 2008. And it's directed by Damon Thomas, who's done a whole bunch of really awesome things in the UK. But it stars uh, Mark Gattis and Andy Nyman, who are two of my favourite freaking people in the world and especially in the british horror community mark gattis was the host of history of horror which existed way before eli roth and <laughs> uh he's just like this big horror nerd um and he's fantastic he's in sherlock for anyone who watched sherlock and he's in league of gentlemen for anyone who knows what that is mark gattis is just a genius andy nyman is the writer of ghost stories both the film and the stage play and he's also the main actor in ghost stories as well the whole story is basically about this house and it's about the different horrible things that have happened throughout the past of people living in this house so it goes through sort of i think it's three different families who have lived in this one house and the really horrible things that have happened to them and the more i'm saying this the more i've realized that the the house on netflix the new one is that but in stop motion okay i didn't make that yeah. link until just now um but this is from 2008 <laughs> and it's uh real life but it's just beautiful little ghost stories and it's so well done and when bbc does horror they do it so beautifully so yes it's just this really dark lovely tales and it it it's kind of aged a lot but it's still beautifully done and it's got my favorite people in it. So check out Crooked House. So I want to recommend Slapface, which just hit Shudder recently for so many reasons. Uh, it was a great film. It really showcases you know, the importance of, of dealing with grief. It touches on bullying, some really strong performances. 
Uh, Jeremiah Kipp, the director, is a Long Island International Film Expo alumni. And Lucas Hassel, who plays the creature, does a phenomenal job, is both a Long Island International Film Expo and Scared for Your Life alumni. So it's really cool to see these alumni come together, create this fantastic feature. Uh, it's another story of, you know, kind of sympathetic monsters, but it's it's really interesting. And it kind of leaves you sitting there thinking about some of the character motivations, about the creature motivations. I just really enjoyed it. It is also, I think, a sexy 90 minutes or something. It definitely felt short. So yeah, definitely give Slapface a watch. It's I think it's a Shutter exclusive right now. Yeah, I believe so. And there's been so much hype around it, which yeah, is great. Which is really nice to see because like having more festival alumni there and like I've only met Lucas, but like Lucas is such a lovely guy. Lucas um, is great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and his so film, cool. Father and the Son, was was an absolute hit in our first year of the festival. Yeah. I think it also got distribution. I'm not 100% sure on that, though. I got to double back. Before we wrap up for today, I want to wish a big congratulations to our friend John von Frankenstein, living up to his name, bringing life into the world. <laughs> John is a new dad. Congrats, bud. Thank you, <laughs> my friend. Oh, hell, King Jacks. <laughs> Yeah, little King Jax is doing great. He is <laughs> he is growing and it is it is fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great and I am counting down to the days that I get to show him Scooby Doo on Zombie Island and start him <laughs> on the proper path to being a little horror nerd like me. We'll start Aww. with puppet shows. We'll talk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> he, may, he may be sitting here talking about the festival one day and what he wants to see from next year. Could oh, you imagine boy. if we become a legacy festival? <laughs> oh, legacy. Keep the cult going. <laughs> we can only hope. We can only hope. <laughs> you and Michelle are killing it. I'm glad to see you're, you know, doing everything that you're doing on top of that. Thank you, friend. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm proud of you, buddy. <laughs> Do you want to take a minute to tell everybody about uh, Scrap Metal? Sure thing, yeah. So besides, you know, taking part in the festival and being on Instagram over at Moonlight Mad Reviews, where I post horror stuff a little less lately just because I've been so bogged Your dad! Down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, you'll find reviews over there and just general horror talk. Definitely Werewolf Wednesdays. That's my favorite day. If I miss any other day, you know, I'm posting a Werewolf Wednesday. But you can find me over on Scrap Metal Podcast on Instagram as well. You can find us on TikTok under the Scrap Metal Podcast. And most importantly, you can find us on Apple Podcast and Spotify under the Scrap Metal Podcast. It's a show all about heavy metal and kind of being stuck in this weird place where you realize, oh man, you're 30 something and you're still listening to the same music you listened to in high school. And it's about kind of broadening your horizons. Uh, you know, it's my buddy Chris who helped us out with the graphics uh, this past year for the festival. And we discuss, yeah, what it's like trying to find new music to listen to, new heavy music, and also just expanding your horizons and you know, going back and talking about our old favorites as well. So definitely give us a listen over there as well. And it's a damn good time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's super fun. Thank and you. obviously I relate to it because I'm over 30 and listen to exactly the same music as you do. <laughs> so sometimes hearing you guys speak, I'm like, no, I refuse to change. <laughs> I think I still listen to the morning playlist that I listened to when I was in high school. It's terrible, um, <laughs> but also brilliant. So you'll occasionally hear me trying to chime in on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you guys on as guests. We'll have an Avril Lavigne episode and we'll have an episode on... No! Yes! yes. <laughs> Love sucks on is Avril so Lavigne good. and Pantera at the same time. Yeah. 
<laughs> we'll have a head-to-head. <laughs> Remember, Scared for Your Life is opening uh, for submissions April 1st. You can check us out at filmfreeway.com slash scared for your L-I-I-F-E because we are a part of the Long Island International Film Expo. Tell your friends, submit your films, go out and make a film. Uh, we're open for submissions starting April 1st at filmfreeway.com slash scared for your L-I-I-F-E. Well, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Hauntsville Crypt Cast. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. I'm John. Happy Haunting. Happy Haunting. <laughs>